Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Before we get into today's episode, I want to let you know about something I have going on. A lot of you have been DMing me, sending me messages, and asking me when I'm going to bring one of my workshops back. But I have some good news for you. On April 25th, I'm kicking off a free masterclass, Social Media for Small Business. If you're looking to up your social media game when it comes to your business, you're absolutely going to want to join me. You will walk away with a comprehensive idea of what to post, where, when, and how to do it efficiently, which is key, so that you can focus on your time growing your business. Click the link in the show notes for more information and make sure to register. There is no excuse. It's free. Don't wait. The doors will close soon. Just another quick reminder, if you like what you hear on today's podcast, please make sure to leave a rating or review wherever it is that you listen. I would so appreciate it. So I love today's story as our guest had her own personal need and she figured out a way to fix it for her family. As a working mom, Emily Grodin needed a quick and easy breakfast for her toddler, but she wasn't willing to sacrifice quality nutrition or taste for convenience. Launched in early March 2020, Evergreen Frozen Waffles are made with 100% whole wheat flour and flavored only by real fruits, vegetables, nuts, and spices without refined sugar, dairy, or preservatives. While Emily originally created Evergreen for her own family, she's on a mission to clean up the frozen waffle category. Carried in more than 65 Whole Foods market locations across the Midwest and New England and launching nationally in Sprouts Farmers Markets in early 2022, Evergreen is rapidly growing a loyal base of of health-conscious consumers who appreciate the clean ingredients, nutritional benefits, and delicious flavors. From day one, Emily's focused on embedding philanthropy and social responsibility into her brand's DNA. Wait until you hear this story and how Emily got started. Come on in and meet Emily Grodin. All right. Today with me on Dear Founder, I have Emily Grodin, founder and CEO of Evergreen Waffles. And I will say before I introduce Emily, that she is an example of a mom who had a need and she went out and found a solution. She created a company that fulfilled exactly what she wanted to feed her child. And now she's feeding thousands, if not millions of of children around the country with her waffles. Um, So here to talk about her story is Emily. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. It is so good to finally meet you. And I know you just had your second baby. So congratulations. Thank you. And we'll get into that because I'm sure everyone wants to hear what it is like to manage your own company with two children under three at home. (laughs) Not, Not always easy. Always interesting. Of course, it's always interesting. Um, But the first thing that I want you to do is to really take us through your journey and getting to where you are today. And I I want you to talk about your career prior to Evergreen, as well as how you started the company. Sure. So it's a particularly winding path to get here. If you'd told me when I was graduating from law school in 2015 that... In 2021, I'd be making waffles uh, as my career. I don't think I would have believed you. Um, But, you know, I was a girl who was dead set on being a lawyer from a young age. Both of my parents were lawyers. So that was the example I had and what I assumed I would be. And so I set off on a on a path to um, fulfill that goal. And I went to law school, um, focused on corporate law. Uh, you know, mergers and acquisitions and corporate governance. Um, 
graduated from law school in 2015 and moved to Chicago and joined a big corporate law firm. And it took me just a couple of months, I'd say, to realize that it was not what excited me in life. You know, I was never jumping out of bed in the morning, really excited to get to the office and and open up my computer. Um, But I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I felt a little bit lost having had this goal for so long. Um, but you know, what, what I did love and what I probably should have realized was my true passion, uh, earlier was food. And so whenever I wasn't in the office, um, you know, working on contracts, I was probably in my kitchen, uh, baking things from scratch, cooking things from scratch. Um, or you'd find me you know, watching food TV shows or reading food magazines or listening to food related podcasts. And uh, one very fateful night, I turned on Netflix Chef's Table, um, which for those listeners who haven't heard of the show, it essentially features a chef um, and a restaurant in each episode and talks about their journey and the impact they've had on the restaurant world. Um, and there was an episode about Alinea, which is a three Michelin star restaurant in Chicago. And at the time it was a few miles from my house. And so I figured, you know, I'd probably enjoy that episode and I turned it on. And by the end of the episode, I was so overwhelmed with inspiration. Um, you know, these chefs were not only making food that just looked amazing. And as somebody who loved food, I was excited about it but they were clearly passionate about their craft in a way that I was not passionate about the law. Um, And, you know, in this moment uh, of of inspiration, I opened up my laptop and I Googled the co-founder of the restaurant group and his email address was buried in his LinkedIn kind of description. And I sent him a cold email, basically asking if he needed a lawyer (laughs) for the restaurant group. I didn't think much about it. I thought he probably would never even read the email. But about 18 minutes later, I got a response from him. And about two weeks after that, I was hired as the general counsel of the Alinea Group. So that was my first pivot. Um, And, you know, as a lawyer who loves food, it's basically the dream job. Uh, and And it really was an amazing opportunity. I was there for three and a half years. Um and loved pretty much every minute of it. But just you telling that story, I just want to interrupt you. Like your face, like and your whole demeanor changed. In in and I know it's and people aren't necessarily watching you right now; they're listening to you. But your whole face and demeanor changed from when you were talking about working at the corporate law firm to like when you were working at Alinea, and you could really see and feel and hear the passion in that change when you were just even describing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was very clear to me (laughs) that corporate law was not what I was meant to do. Um, And I feel so fortunate to have had this moment where, you know, I let go of my inhibitions and just uh, on a whim sent this email because I think even in that moment, I thought in my mind, like, well, like, this is what I went to school for forever. This is what I've been working for forever. And this is where I'm kind of going to be stuck (laughs) forever. And um, I'm really glad that I kind of pushed that aside in this one moment. And it it literally changed the course of my life. So for for the better. (laughs) So then let's let's get into your Adelinia. You're the lawyer. This is like the dream job for, as you said, any foodie and many people in general. You don't even have to be a foodie. And I mean, in Chicago, Alinea is like, you know, the end all and be all restaurant reservation to get if you're so lucky to get it. Yeah. So what then what happens? So I um, was loving the work that I was doing. I mean, and it was like a pinch me moment every day that I was in the office because I brushed shoulders with these chefs that were like celebrities in, in my world. And um, so, and it was just, you know, the subject matter was all restaurants and food. And so I was excited to draft these contracts, like drafting contracts took on a whole different dynamic for me. Um, but I was still outside of work continuing to soak up as much as I could about 
my passion, which was food. And so I was still watching food TV shows and reading food magazines and listening to food podcasts. And on my way home from work one night, I was listening to one of those podcasts and um, it was talking about the frozen breakfast market and how big it is and um, how it's still so dominated by uh, that brand that rhymes with Lego. (laughs) And uh, I was expecting my first daughter at the time. And I had, you know, older sisters who'd had kids and friends who'd started, started building their families. And I knew that you feed young kids frozen waffles. And I found myself thinking, you know, as somebody who loves food and cares so deeply about it, I, you know, I personally wouldn't want to eat that brand. I'm not going to want to feed it to my daughter, but what am I going to feed her? I'm going to need something really quick and easy before I run out the door to catch the train in the morning or hop in my car to get to work. And so I got home that night and I Amazon Prime myself a mini waffle iron and decided I was just going to start playing with recipes in my home kitchen. And that is, is, I guess the very first time that the thought of evergreen came into my mind. But at that point, I really wasn't thinking about bringing it to market. Like, it's not like I got home that night and I told my husband, like, I'm going to start a frozen waffle company. You know, it was mostly, it was mostly a solution for my own family. And I would make a bunch of waffles and I'd stick them in a Ziploc bag and I'd put them in our freezer. And I did that for about a year. Um, But over the course of that year, and talking with friends and, and with family um, and, you know, describing why I was making all these waffles for a family in my kitchen, I realized I wasn't the only one who thought there was a void in the market. There were other people out there who wanted a healthier, easy breakfast to feed their children and themselves. And so I got back to work after maternity leave, very quickly realized that Um, you know, the nights and weekends that I was previously using to play with recipes in my kitchen evaporate when you have a newborn (laughs) and when you're a working mom. And so, but I felt, you know, strongly enough about the need for this product at that point, I felt good enough about the the product that I developed, the recipes that I developed that I didn't want to let it go. And so in January of 2019, I walked into my boss's office and remind, remember he is the founder of a three Michelin star restaurant group. Um, and I'm his lawyer. And I, I, I was so nervous. I was sweating and thought I might get fired on the spot. Definitely thought he was going to laugh at me. And I told him, look, I, I would like to drop down a part-time because I want to start a frozen waffle company. And he, much to his credit, you know, didn't bat an eye. He said, sure. If you can do your work for us in three days, take two days to do whatever you want. I don't care. And so that's what I did. So starting in January, 2019, I had been at Alinea for um, about two years at that point. And I dropped down to three days. And in, on the other two days, I started thinking seriously about bringing Evergreen to market. Um, so I hired a designer as one of my first steps. You know, I already had my recipes, so I had the right. product, but I needed a vehicle to put it in. Um, I, and I, I decided to focus a fair amount of my resources on getting the packaging right the first time, because I figured, you know, I'd, I'd listened, like I said, to so many food podcasts about people who had launched products and they had a great product and they brought it to a store in like a, you know, a paper bag, um, with like a sticker on the front and the store inevitably said, love the products, but like, like I can't put it on the shelf in a paper bag with a, with a sticker on it. (laughs) And so I figured, you know, here I am, I have this career that I genuinely love. Um, and it's a, it's a great fallback option if this doesn't go anywhere. So I want to put my best foot forward, you know, really give it a go once. And if it doesn't go anywhere, then I'll, then I'll go back to full-time at Alinea and, and I will still be happy there. Um, so I put resources into, you know, getting a great, packaging design, um, got myself, uh, certified to work out of a shared commercial kitchen. I originally wanted somebody else to manufacture the waffles from day one, because again, listening to all these podcasts about food founders, what, what little I knew about the industry is that you often outsource manufacturing. So I picked up the phone and I started calling these waffle manufacturers in the United States. I mean, I, I think I literally Googled like waffle manufacturer in the U S <laughs> And called all of those people 
um, and had the same conversation over and over again. They asked who my customers were and I said, nobody. And they said, great, call us back once you have customers. And so when I realized I was going to have to make them myself, I got certified to work out of the shared commercial kitchen. And this all took about nine months. Um, we had a move in the middle of there, which delayed things a little bit. But by uh, you know very late August of 2019, I made my first batch of waffles um, in a commercial kitchen. And I took that batch in a duffel bag. I had two duffel bags, one full of waffles, one with my household toaster, which I had to scrub because it was not in any shape to show to anybody else. <laughs> um, plastic utensils, paper plates, and some maple syrup. And I walked into our favorite corner store um, where we used to live in Chicago. Which is my favorite corner store too, because I used to live in Bucktown also. I know the story. It's Olivia's Market. And I'm going to give them a shout out because they are the best. The best. Uh, And you will never forget their support for you. And you know that. So uh, yeah, no, they have such a special place in my heart, not only as a customer who genuinely loved their store, but they're so supportive of local brands. And I will never forget walking down those steps into Olivia's with my waffles and my toaster that day and asking if I could speak to the manager. Um, I was probably just about as nervous as I was when I walked into Nick's office and asked him if I could drop down to part-time. Um, they said they were happy to try the waffles. They brought me into the back of the store, plugged in my toaster, toasted them up some waffles, and they ate them right there in front of me. And they're like, these are great. We'll take them. And so they were my very first customer. That is amazing. Yeah. I have so many questions before we move on to the next. I've just been, I, I, first and foremost, I want to, I want to give Nick a shout out and you a shout out because for, for recognizing what you needed to ask, because I've actually had this conversation multiple times today. I have it all the time in that you, you really, you knew what you needed to do to both protect your family and move forward with this business. And you, you saw an opportunity and you knew, you knew you could do your job in three days. Most moms can, moms are (laughs) multitaskers and you know that. And I just, I want to give a shout out to him for saying, okay. And for letting you, for letting you take that chance, because I do think that there are still, even in today's day and age, even after the pandemic, there are still a lot of people who really haven't hopped on that bandwagon with flex time. And as long as you get your work done and for him to say, as long as you get your work done in three days, you can have the other two days. I mean, look what that did for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you wouldn't be doing this if, if it weren't for him saying yes. I mean, right unless you would have quit, you know, and you were, you were able to set up your, set yourself up for success. And he was a part of that. And so I just, I want to point that out because I do think it's really important for entrepreneurs to, to take a minute and realize what they need to try and test before diving in full fledged and giving up something that maybe they love. And like, you loved your job. Yeah. 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 And I, I think, I think about that a lot. Um, Cause a lot of people do just jump in kind of with both feet. And for me, you know, I, I had a family, I am a risk averse lawyer type. Um, I love, I had a job that I loved and I wasn't willing to just let go of it. Um, and I also thought too, that, you know, this was kind of a passion project for me. And I was worried that if I put too much pressure on it right away, that that passion would go away, you know? Um, and I wanted to keep the excitement and the passion alive. So All right. So here you are, you have your waffles, you're in Olivia's and we're going to kind of get to that in a minute because I want to talk more about distribution and finding more customers. But I think the biggest question on everyone's mind is you were a corporate attorney and then you were in-house at a restaurant group and now you have these waffles, but how did you know how to make the waffles? And, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs get hung up on that process and they have an idea and then they don't know how to manufacture. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to make it so that it's a viable product to sell. How did you do that? Uh, I will be honest. I had, (laughs) I did not know what I was doing. Um, I, I mean, I felt very comfortable in a kitchen because it was my passion forever, but cooking for your family and friends is very, very different than cooking, uh, a product to be on a retail shelf to sell to other families, um, all over the place. So 
I, uh, you know, I took that course that was required to get certified to work out of a shared commercial kitchen. And I did learn a lot um, from that course about uh, how to make a commercial product safely. Um, but, you know, a lot of it I learned on the fly. So, um, you know, for example, I, if you, if you know our waffles, you'll know that one of the things that makes them stand out on the shelves is our packaging because we are in stand up resealable bags as opposed to boxes. Um, the initial reason for that though, was that I knew, uh, after calling all those manufacturers who slammed the door in my face that I was going to have to start making my waffles if I wanted to bring them to market. And I knew, you know, I wasn't going to have access to the fancy equipment that was going to, you know, automatically erect the boxes and slide the waffles in and then glue the sides. Um, and what, you know, I, so I was like, how can I close a package of waffles? And it, the easiest way was to, you know, buy a simple heat sealer and close a bag. Um, so I would say one, I adapted, uh, where I needed to. And, but two, I real honestly just figured it out as I went along. Um, and in the early days when I was working in the shared commercial kitchen, I would make, you know, 48 bags of waffles at a time which is, you know, it was just enough to service Olivia's. Um, and so my, uh, you know, my capacity there was pretty short lived. And um, I know you said you would get to this later, but very quickly after getting into Olivia's, I applied to be a local vendor um, for Whole Foods in the Midwest. And uh, they accepted me, which was amazing. amazing. And also very overwhelming at the same time. Um, but I uh, was able to find a third-party manufacturing partner once I had Whole Foods as a, as a client. Um, and so, you know, that scaled up our volume significantly. But in the So it's not you making the waffles anymore? <laughs> um, well, I'm back to making my waffles now. Okay, so because you have your own. Yes. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. sorry. Many, many steps along the way. Um, but, but yeah, so I, you know, I figured, I figured out just enough to to bring the waffles to market. Um, you know, I think one thing you have to keep in mind is that like most entrepreneurs don't really know how to do it when they start and you just have to, um, you know, be comfortable with the unknown and, um, and, and push forward. I think, uh, I do have to say with the packaging, I know you did it kind of on accident, but I love what you did with your packaging because there's nothing worse than a box in the freezer that falls apart. And then there's like a gross bag inside and then everything gets freezer burnt. So, you know, I, I, what, even though you did it more out of a necessity at the time, it definitely has made you stand out in the long run, I think, you know, and I think it's going to only continue to do so as people, you know, are so much more in tune with sustainability measures and keeping food fresh. And I would much rather seal something in my freezer then like roll up a bag. And I, I think about like the Lego, the Lego waffles that yeah. used to get so freezer burned in yeah. my, you know, and they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, um, it's a happy coincidence, but I also, you know, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the bags, uh, is a perfect example of necessity breeds innovation. Um, I would be lying if I said I was thinking about uh, how superior bags are to boxes in the very beginning, but you're right. It's a really happy coincidence. And it's become one of our selling points is that you, once you open the bag, you can reseal it, you avoid freezer burn, you can roll it up and stick it into a corner of your overly packed freezer. Um, so, and it is, you know, you look on a shelf at a sea of waffles in boxes and we're the only bags. And so we stand out in that way. Um, so, but that just goes to show too, you know, limited resources and not necessarily being an expert in the area could actually be the birth of something really great and new and exciting. So you're in Whole Foods, you're in Olivia's, you're, you're in Olivia's and you're in Whole Foods. You have another, you're, you have someone else manufacturing your waffles, which I'm sure you were so thrilled about. And then, and then what happens? Are you, is, is it easier to get new customers now? Is it, what, what was kind of like the next step? I mean, cause I know Whole Foods is a real big stamp of approval. So 
you know, you would think, okay, you're in Whole Foods. It's a lot easier to go out to some of the other grocery retailers and other retailers and say, okay, this is where we're at. We would love to be here too. How did that work out? Yeah, no, I, well, I also want to, before I answer that question, step back because, um, you know, once I started working at the manufacturer, I, uh, I am, I care very deeply about quality. So I actually went to every manufacturing run and they would do, uh, two shifts. Uh, often they would do two or three days in a row. So I would get there at 4am and then I would not leave until 8pm when they were done (laughs) for the day. So I was, so I was there for 16 hours at a time, uh, which is a really obviously long day. So in some ways working with a manufacturer didn't make my life all that much easier, but I will say I learned so much from being there every day and observing the process. You asked, you know, how did I know how to start? Um, you know, when I started by myself, I, I had certain resources like that class I took and my knowledge of just my love of cooking over the years. But then I learned, I really learned a lot about manufacturing from observing when I was there. So I think, you know, something that was super important to me and I think is an important message is to entrepreneurs is like, you don't stop learning at any point along the road. Um, because me actually going to every manufacturing run at my third party manufacturer, um, enabled me a year later to open my own facility and further scale up. So I just think it's important to remember, like never get complacent in this process. There's always more to learn and you never know how that's going to benefit you, you know, six months, 12 months, years. hundred percent. That is such a good message to share because I do think a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, say to themselves, okay, you know, now I don't have to do this anymore because I'm finally able to hire so-and-so and and it's not about doing it and that it's fine. And you need to let go of some things, of course, because you can't do everything, but you also still need to be involved. Yes. And being involved for you. And in this, in this instance, allowed you to learn and observe and take your business to the next level. Yes. Yes. It was, it was hugely important. Um, not, not just for the initial reason that I went, which was for quality control, um, but to continue to grow the business. So then talk about coming back to your own manufacturing and, and your new customers and how that is, how that has transpired. Perfect. So, so we found out that we were accepted at Whole Foods in, um, I applied in September of 2019 and was accepted by October of 2019 for a launch date in March of 2020. So, of course you were. Of course. <laughs> so yeah, so if you think about what was going on in March of 2020, uh, not the ideal time to launch a product, um, but you know, in some ways, uh, it actually probably helped us a little bit because- People were home. People were home. People were raiding grocery store shelves, especially the frozen section, because people weren't wanting to keep going back to the grocery store every week. Um, so I do think that it's it's possible more people tried Evergreen in those very early days uh, than otherwise would have. Um, but I so we launched in March 2020, true to my risk averse lawyer tendencies, um, I stayed on as general counsel at the Alinea Group until August of 2020. So we'd been in Whole Foods for about six months before I decided, okay, sales are going up. I feel like we're gaining some traction. People are responding really well to the product, excited about the product, um, you know, before I was finally ready <laughs> to, to let go of my of my day job, in quotes. I sure um, hope Nick still gives you reservations whenever you ask. <laughs> um no it's they nick has been very supportive and i'm kidding um yeah no i i i love those restaurants and they will always have a special special place in my heart um but so in august 2020 when i stepped down um as general counsel is when i really decided okay let's see where we can take this um you know we have our foot in the door and, and you're right, being in Whole Foods 
is incredibly helpful. I mean, first of all, just um, the local program at Whole Foods is wonderful because they hold your hand a little bit more. They recognize you're a really small supplier. And so I learned a lot about what it's, you know, how to bring a product to market through the Whole Foods local team. So I'm, I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful to them. Um, but I, uh, I, at that point decided, okay, now it's time to, you know, surround myself to your point, still didn't really know much about the industry. So I wanted to (laughs) surround myself with people who did and continue to learn from them. So, um, I hired, uh, an outsourced sales team that was full of people who had either worked on the retailer side for a long time or on the brand side. Um, and they, you know, they were my sales team, but they also have kind of continued to function as informal advisors too. And so I've learned so much from them that has been incredibly valuable. Um, you know, at that point I hired a publicist to try to, you know, get the word out about Evergreen and about our story a little bit more. And so, and your story has been everywhere. She's done an amazing job. I, the best publicist, I should say. Um, yeah, no, she's done an incredible job spreading the word about Evergreen. Um, and so, so yeah, so I tried to kind of surround myself with resources that would, you know, take us to that next level. And we were pretty quickly able to do that. So within a few months, we were accepted into our second region of Whole Foods. Um, so, you know, we are now in Whole Foods in the Midwest and also Whole Foods in the North Atlantic region, which is the New England region. Um, we were able to get into other retailers like Deerbergs in St. Louis. Um, we're in a handful of Mariano's in Chicago. We're in Foxtrot in Chicago. Um, and, you know, and every time you add a retailer, it's kind of easier to continue to add retailers. Um, but then came the problem of I needed more capacity because my the manufacturer I was working with was um, on the smaller side. And so I knew I was going to outgrow them. And so at that point, decided, um, you know, I could either look for another manufacturer or I could open my own facility. And I felt that opening my own facility, um, at least for a certain period of time, would help us grow to a point where we would then have access to these really big manufacturers, similar to the ones that I Googled and called <laughs> from day one and, and got, you know, very strong nose from. Um, and so that's what we did. We found a facility outside of Vernon Hills, uh, outside of Chicago in Vernon Hills and, um, you know, built out a space that would be perfect for making waffles day in, day out. And we opened there in March of 2021, um, which I'm, I mean, my timing on things is really great. I was, uh, seven months pregnant at that point. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) We, you know, started making our waffles all day, every day um, when I had a very, very large belly, Um, but it's been really nice and has enabled us to meet these greater volumes um, to, to just have our own space and our own team. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. When you say we 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 make our waffles, you say we make our waffles. Like, are you making the waffles? Are you like what is going on in this situation right now? 
Um, I have a team of four amazing women who are literally making the waffles every day, but I am in the kitchen every day, kind of overseeing them. So I am still making the waffles, um, which it, you know, at a certain point will not make sense for the business. Uh, but like I said, I, I care really, really deeply about quality. Um, and so I like to be involved. I, I mean, I love that. And I love that you have found a solution that works for you and that works for your capacity. And now, you know, we've heard the story right now about how you've gotten your store customers, but how are you getting the word out to sell the waffles? How are you telling people to go to the, to go to the store to buy the waffles? Who knows about the waffles? That yeah. I know about the waffles because of your amazing publicist. Yeah. But... It's a What's whole the, other, people like to say in this industry that, you know, getting onto shelves is the easy part. Getting off the shelves is the hard part. And it's totally true because, um, you know, when you sell into a retailer, you just have to sell to that buyer and they have to believe in the product and think it's delicious. But, you know, when you're selling to the public, that's a whole, whole lot more people, um, But I, you know, part of the reason that I decided to quit my day job and to pursue this full time is because our sales um, at Whole Foods kind of like steadily grew over the course of the first six months. And this was with zero marketing, Um, you know, in the pandemic, they stopped uh, letting brands give out samples in stores, which those are called demo tables. And that is a hugely important way to drive sales and raise brand awareness. Um, I didn't get to do any of that. And so I was, um, you know, really excited to see the organic growth that was just in my mind, like probably repeat customers who really liked what they tried the first time. And then those people probably told their friends. Um, And, but I, you know, I decided at a certain point you need more than just that organic growth. So I did ultimately just a few months ago, I actually hired a marketing agency for the very first time. Um, and they are preparing us for some of these bigger launches. So I, I listed all the retailers kind of that we've launched in, in the last year, but we are about to, in January, quadruple our number of stores with a national launch at Sprouts, um, yeah. which has, you know, 377 stores across the country. So we're launching there in January um, and working with this marketing agency to make sure people know about Evergreen and and go and try it. Do you even believe this when you think about it? I mean, you made waffles in your kitchen and put them in a a freezer bag in your freezer for your kid. It's so crazy. (laughs) I I genuinely don't believe it. I will never forget the first time I, um, Whole Foods, the, one of the other things really helpful about Whole Foods is they give brands access to their sales data. Um, and I'll never forget the first time I logged into the Whole Foods sales portal and looked and, and pulled. And I remember that it like taking a while to load and all of a sudden these numbers jumped up and I was like, what? <laughs> that many people actually walked into Whole Foods and opened the freezer door and reached out and took my bag of waffles. Um, it's I mean, it's wild. And it's, I still feel that way every week when I check my sales. I'm like, I can't believe that many people actually went to buy my waffles. How have your sales, like, I, you don't have to share sales numbers, but how what has been the rate of growth of your sales? You're like, I mean, it's only been, you know, a year and a half, but right. And where are you projected to end up at the end of this year? Um, we have grown, uh, so, I mean, you can look at sales in a, in a few different ways, but, you know, at, at a, at one major retailer, we, our sales have, um, multiplied by five to six in the last year. Um, you know, dollars wise similar. Uh, so, you know, we, we, in the first, um, six months of this year, we'd already doubled our revenue from the prior year. So we are, we are growing pretty fast, which is, it's really exciting. Also is your team growing? I mean, you, you said you have the four women who 
cook the waffles and you oversee them, obviously. And then I know you have the, you have your publicist and you have the marketing agency. Who else is, is comprised, is your team comprised of? Um, I have a third party bookkeeper that it's a, basically a accounting firm for startups. Yep. And that's it. So we're, we're quite small. (laughs) No, but I, that's why I'm asking because I do think that when a lot of people see brands like yours on shelves at Whole Foods and um, shelves at Mariano's and coming to Sprouts like in 300 locations, yeah, you know, they think that there's this big giant team behind the brand. And that most of the time there is not. I mean, more times than not, there is, you know, that is the case. And I want, I want to share that and I wanted to hear you share it. So that people know that something like this is attainable with a small team, outsourcing people, third-party resources, and it's not a far-fetched dream, right? I mean, it is something that you can do. For sure. No, it's, um, and like, I don't anticipate hiring a big team anytime soon because I don't, I don't think I need it. Um, and the outsource model has made it possible for me to tap into these resources um, that I otherwise wouldn't have access to. You know, like my sales team, for example, I chose to use a third-party sales team instead of hiring like a VP of sales, for example. Um, And that gives me access to a whole team of people who have decades of experience both on the retail side and the brand side. And I just, I've learned so much from them and they've helped our company so much. Um, And even like the third-party manufacturing model, like I said, when I was working out of the shared commercial kitchen, my like max capacity at that point, and I had not figured out a lot of things. I mean, we make thousands and thousands of waffles every day now. Um, But when I was in that Sure, commercial kitchen. I was, I mean, I was literally making 48 bags of waffles a day. Like that's basically 500. And it was like a year, like a little over a year ago. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, you know, I mean, it was, it was not that long ago. Something that I I want you to talk about and is you, I mean, you said you were seven months pregnant and, you know, you had a baby and, you know, we kind of talked about this before we, we hopped on today there is no maternity leave when you have your own company. And I would love for you to kind of share some of your experience in that so that people who are listening, who do have their own companies or are thinking of starting their own companies can understand how like the pluses and minuses of that, as well as kind of how to navigate that. Yeah. I was just talking with my husband about this recently, um, like reflecting on that experience and I, I chose, I've chosen to look at it um, in a positive way and be really grateful because, you know, I was really grateful that I had a career that I wanted to jump or and needed to jump right back into, you know, um, I like, it's always been my hope and dream to have a career that I feel so passionately about that, you know, I, I don't want to put it down for many, many months or, or weeks. Um, so, you know, it it wasn't easy jumping right back in right away, but if I stepped back and realized like, I, it's a privilege to have my own business and it's a privilege to want to think about this, even as I have a newborn baby in my arms. Um, I just, I felt really lucky and continue to feel really lucky, uh, you know, to not, to not want to you know, shut my computer and put it away for, for a few months. Um, at the same time with my first baby, I did get to do that (laughs) and it was really nice and really important and a great bonding opportunity. So, um, there are definitely pros and cons, but there's Uh, different opportunities with this, you know, you have flexibility, a different kind of flexibility, right? Like, yes, for sure. Uh, people ask me all the time, like it, do you have more flexibility or less when you run your own business? And it's, it's tough because I don't have anybody, you know, emailing me at on Friday at 5 PM saying I need this by tomorrow morning. You know, I very rarely have to cancel plans anymore. Um, 
but I, you know, am thinking about the business all the time. time. (laughs) So, so it's just, it's a different kind of, uh, kind of occupation, I guess. Totally. Yeah. So what would you tell someone who has an idea and wants to get started? Do it. Did like, don't think about it too much. If you, if, if you are excited about something, um, try not to think about the obstacles and like see the opportunity. Uh, and I think too, I think my like inexperience and naivete along the way have actually in a lot of cases been beneficial. Um, so for example, a big one, um, frozen food is really a pain in the ass (laughs) to work with. Uh, you know, it's like, it's a really expensive supply chain. Um, even thinking about something like e-commerce, I am so jealous of all brands who have shelf-stable products that they can just like stick in a box and send ground and don't have to worry about when it gets there. Like I have to painstakingly track all of our e-commerce orders to make sure they aren't delayed and like the dry ice didn't fully evaporate. And, um, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've had to resend a package of waffles because they get held up and they arrive like, you know, a week late and they're warm. Um, but, you know, I think because a lot of people realize frozen is a really difficult space, they don't even touch it. And I think there's a lot of opportunity in frozen food to innovate because it's this sleepy category that people are kind of scared of. Um, and so I think my naivete there and not, you know, not knowing what I was getting into has the potential to be this um, huge advantage for me, for us long-term, but. What's next for Evergreen Waffles? Um, well, we are, I mean, our first order of business is to continue expanding with our current product line. And by expand, I mean, into more retailers. So, um, you know, my goal is to be a national product and getting into Sprouts nationally is really kind of that first step. Um, but there were, I mean, barely scratching the surface of retailers out there that are good fits and really want to be available to most people, um, to buy locally in a brick and mortar store. Um, but then I have our next product line in my mind and we'll start developing it soon. Kind of as soon as we get over the hump of this Sprouts launch, which is, will, uh, it, will it be frozen? It will be frozen, which I, which I swore I wasn't going to do again. Um, but you know, if you think about kind of the mission of the evergreen brand, which is to create packaged food for families that is, doesn't have what you typically see in packaged food, doesn't have the preservatives or additives or refined sugars or, you know, artificial flavors or colors and is, you know, is what you, if you want to, if you, if you're one of those people that wishes you could make everything from scratch for your kids, if wishes you had the time to make homemade meals, um, like we've got your back because realistically, very few people have the time to make everything from scratch. Um, and so, uh, the freezer space enables us to make those products because you don't need preservatives when you have the freezer as your preservative. So, the freezer ends up being making a lot of sense for, for the evergreen brand, but it is a pain in the butt. <laughs> okay. One more question. You said at the top of the interview that you were not jumping out of bed during your corp- years in corporate law. Are you jumping out of bed now? Every day. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, there are certainly difficult days. Uh, where I feel less excitement than others. But like I said, when, it, when we were talking about maternity leave and how it was largely non-existent um, this time around when I had my second daughter, because you know I'm working for myself, um, I, I just, it's, it's so fulfilling to build something that I, that I care so deeply about. And, um, I, you know, I, I think about it all day and all night, every day. Um, and 
you know, I, I, every day is an opportunity to move it forward and to get closer to our goal and to bring evergreen to more people across the country. So like my work is never done, um, which is, can be overwhelming at times, but again, just feels like, like a real privilege. And I feel so lucky to be able to pursue something that I am passionate about. Emily Grodin, founder and CEO of Evergreen Waffles. Thank you for your time, for sharing your story, for enlightening us with your knowledge. I know there are a lot of people listening who most certainly will take away some, if not all, of what you said today and and really be able to move themselves forward. So thank you again for being here. Thank you, Lindsay. Emily's story is so relatable, and I love how honest she is, don't you? Make sure that you take out your pen and paper. I'm about to share some of her amazing takeaways. Number one, send the email. You never know what is going to happen or where it is going to lead you. Number two, advocate for yourself. Ask for what you need. You never know this could help you to start your passion project or to make your passion project a full-time gig. Number three, try and test out your concept before diving into something full force. Number four, Think of what you can do to stand out. Are there innovations that you can put into place or into your product that set you apart from your competitors? These are the things that are going to really help you in the long run. Number five, learn the process of your brand, product, and company. Don't stop learning at any point along the road because knowing and understanding the process can help you to scale up later. Don't get complacent. There's always more to learn. Number six, surround yourself with resources that will take you to the next level. Number seven, If you have an idea, just do it. If you're excited about something, try not to think about the obstacles and see the opportunity. Number eight, do something that makes you jump out of bed every day. Number nine, it's so fulfilling to build something that you care about so deeply. You will think about what you are doing all day and all night. Every day is an opportunity to move your business forward. Number 10, work is never done, which can be overwhelming, but it is a real privilege to be able to pursue something that you're so passionate about. Thank you so much to Emily Grodin for sharing her story today. And thank you so much for being here. Make sure that you're following Lindsay Pinchuk and Dear Founder on Instagram for more. And you can also go to lindsaypinchuk.com to download some of my tips, tools, and resources, or to register for my social media for small business masterclass. We have some amazing guests coming up. Please make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, we'd love for you to leave a rating or review. If you know someone who wants to start their own business like Emily who is, or who has started a business or who has an amazing idea for a business, text them this episode or post it on your Instagram. Tag me and I'll make sure to share it to say thank you. Have a great rest of the day and get ready for another episode of Dear Founders soon.